This episode is brought to you by Cox Contour TV. Find the entertainment you love with Contour TV and Contour Stream Player. Learn more at coxcox.com slash contour. How do you explain the unexplainable? That warmth that fills you up from the inside out? Does it come from the air, the sea, the sun, the people? Or is it something that can't be put into words? Because Aruba is more than a beautiful island. It's a feeling that brings out a happier, sunnier you. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your next visit at aruba.com. Good evening, Honey Hole Hangout. What's up, everybody? There's a lot of silence. (laughs) (laughs) We got a different crew today. We have uh, Evan, who you guys know if you've listened to the show before, and we have a new guest, Jeremy. Hey, how's it going? What's up, Jeremy? So, uh, Jeremy, you're a big waterfowler. Uh, I've been so I've... So I've been told. I've been known to kill a few ducks every now and again. Okay. Okay. Well, today we are uh, have a crane hunt special. We all drove in to Lubbock today, and we're hanging out recording a pre-podcast about and boy, expectations. Are my arms tired. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We're talking about uh, expectations and uh, just pre-setup for our crane hunt Building this weekend. Building the anticipation. Building the anticipation. Mm-hmm. Antici- Patient. Then the next episode, you guys can listen to how our hunt was, if we were successful, all that good stuff. If you haven't heard about us before, we are a podcast that talks about fly fishing, honey, hunting, conservation, and other things outdoors. Barbecue, whiskey. Didn't bring a whiskey today. Dang, we don't have a whiskey. Actually, I do have a whiskey. It's a special birthday whiskey that uh, we can oh. have this weekend. Oh. Well, we can talk about the... Uh the Shiner Bach. What do yeah. you think about that yeah. Shiner Bach? How's that Shiner, Cliff? I've actually switched to Shiner being my preferred beer over Lone Star and Miller Lite. That's good. It's been what's in the fridge for a good little while now, and I don't see it changing. It's a good Texas company. It's been around for um, a long time. Welcome to growing up. Uh, I drank Lone Star, you know. I'm well, I've I'm always a- been a huge fan of, like, the light beers because I want something that's refreshing and just, like, Mostly water. There. Yeah, because Hydrated. I want it. I want it to kind of like just mellow. <laughs> I don't. Shiner's a little heavy if you're not. If you're, if you're if not, you're, used if you're a Bud Light guy, Miller Light, Coors Light guy, Shiner can be a little heavy. It, it, it can it's be. Filling, it's very filling, but like I'll tell you what I like about Shiner. Shiner's my fall beer. I start drinking it usually after Dove season. You know, around November, because it gets cool. You like something that's a little heavier, fill you up a little bit more. You're not wanting to just sit around in the heat and drink, and you don't need to stay hydrated. And see, much. that's why I've always tended to go towards like those light beers, like a Miller Light, uh, Bud Light, and stuff. I don't really like Bud Light, but Miller Light. And then I did the uh, Lone Star a lot before I moved here, and then definitely when I moved here, because it was always like a good summertime pool beer out on a boat, out on a skiff, out in the field. It's not making you feel like I kind of need to throw up now. And then Shiner, I never really liked because all I ever knew was really the Bach, 
which I always said a little heavy, which I wasn't opposed to like dark beers because I used to like Guinness a good bit, but it was always cold when I drank it. And so the bot came, or uh, and then I had the holiday beers, and I don't like any of the Shiner holidays. I'm going to throw it out there. I know a lot of people do, and they go nuts for it. I'm not a fan of it. I want my beer to kind of taste like a beer. I don't need it to taste like cranberry douche. <laughs> but you don't like so no pumpkin spice for you no oh, mm. so you're not like a mm. pumpkin spice porter no like, thick like a milkshake kind of beer kind of guy no nah, i feel you and so <laughs> I, I then i found the shiner blondes and that's very close to a uh lone star a miller light a little bit more flavor to me it sits well. It's a good summertime beer. And so when it was still hot, I did that. And then once that crisp got into the air and we've got that first good cold snap in San Antonio, I was like, I'm going to try Bach again. And I started drinking Bach. And now Bach's kind of been my go-to until, like, I want to switch up to something like He doesn't talk this much about whiskey. No, he doesn't. I don't. Oh, that, I don't like that whiskey. It, yeah. It's got peat. Yeah. I, I you're definitely like a beer guy. That's okay. I mean, that's good. Yeah. Well, you're a beer guy. I used to be a whiskey and a bourbon guy uh-huh. uh, when I lived in Atlanta, but I have a past with it. No, yeah. And so, it's like, I good. just it's too good. We can, we can talk offline about stuff that's <laughs> happened. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> Landon knows the exact moment I stopped drinking whiskey. Oh yeah. Do I? Mm-hmm. I probably I probably do. I probably just need now a little you, memory now refresher. Now, if you correlate the two or not, I don't know. Hmm. But that was the moment I stopped. Oh, uh, when you said correlate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when big words are used. Yeah. There's a little bit of inside baseball going on no, here, I feel no, like. Yeah, exactly. uh, no, I, I I, know. That's all right. So we went to Franklin's last weekend. We were, spo- we were going to record a podcast, but we didn't. So we're going to talk about Franklin's now. No, we kept on getting told that it was an inappropriate place and an inappropriate conversation. <laughs> We did, because we talked about recording it, and then someone in the group was like, no, not here, no, not here, no, we don't need to do that. Oh, there were two people in the group, but I think uh, we were having a little bit too much fun to record. Which would have made it a great podcast. (laughs) Well, we were playing a card game that is an inappropriate card game for that reason, Mm -hmm. because it's funny. So maybe, maybe not podcast material, but also maybe really awesome podcast it could have gone one of well, two ways it's yeah. a high risk high well reward. so the the good thing can i say, I'm say we play cards against humanity yeah. mm-hmm. right and we and landon you invited some of the employees to I come did. judge <laughs> for us which was awesome we probably got like what four there were like four or five people that came by well no the fifth one she he or she didn't i don't know who they they walked out looked at the table and, and they're like well back i'm in. going back but no we got four employees to judge rounds of cards against yeah. humanity and they had a Blast and it yeah. was hilarious. That one lady was like, "I'm gonna do this again." Yeah, <laughs> and then one lady picked up a card and was like, "I'm, I'm not reading I'm not that." Reading that <laughs> <one>. <laughs> <laughs> down. Which, when we read the card, we were like, "Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably good." You didn't read that one. <laughs> we don't really want to read it. You know, I tell you, when you walk away, we're reading this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a little, uh, it was a little raunchy. No, we got some Franklin's questions though, uh, because I nice. posted on Instagram that we were recording at Franklin's. We didn't do it, so I'm going to ask him uh, now. We is Franklin's only good because you waited in line for hours. Yes, 
It's only you saying it's only good because we waited in line for hours. I'm going to be honest. I would say it's good regardless of the wait. I would wait, and I would if I didn't have to wait. If I didn't spend the time hanging out with you guys, having fun, I wouldn't eat it. Because now, it's I not, agree, I can, it's not I can, good enough to go wait alone and not have fun in the line. Franklin's is not worth the wait. It is quality barbecue, mm-hmm. but it's the good. social aspect of waiting in line yeah. with your friends. Makes it better. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that sentiment. That's why I say yeah. it's good barbecue. Is it my favorite? No. Well, like us, we all sit there and rant and rave over it. Me, you, Ian, all the guys, we rant and rave over it. It's been we've been doing it for years, but the only time we ever truly go is for your birthday, which is awesome to do it as a group, and it's fun. Yeah, and it's fun, and but the I mean, barbecue. So great. it's kind of hard for me to correlate like correlate. Franklin Franklin's without. That social aspect. Today's podcast is brought to you by Correlate. <laughs> Would you like to correlate? The we word. love to correlate. It's the word of the day. <laughs> There's so many times I'm editing, I'm like, this one's the word of the podcast right here. It, de- it depends. It depends. So there's a line at La Barbecue right around the corner. So, I mean, you could go wait in line at La Barbecue and ask those people the same question. Is it worth the wait? Why didn't you go to Franklin's? Why did you go to La Barbecue? Which is the same, by the way. It's the same barbecue. It's very similar. It's very similar. And that's, so is Terry Black's. Yeah. And if you just go to Louie Miller and Taylor, it's really good, too. Yeah. But but I'm, what I'm saying is like, if no you way. ask them, why wouldn't you go to Franklin's? Why would you go to a barbecue and wait in line? Maybe it's just because they want to try it and they've had Franklin's. Yeah. You know what I mean? But same thing. Well, I, mean, I it's did good think barbecue. that Franklin's also has that name, that prestige behind it. Like, that's the... It has oh, that, yeah. He's got some celebrity-ish. Yeah, that's the... Yeah. It's got a little bougie factor with it. Mm-hmm. And it also has the fact that it had that number one of the Texas Monthly for... Mm-hmm. A while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but that's like it. snows. So, like, have you all ever had snows I over in Lexington? No. So, once again, that celebrity factor. They've been on Food Network. They've been on. Isn't that where the, the lady? The old lady the, the, yeah, that works at the ISD. Yeah, Tootsie. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'll say it better than Franklin's. <laughs> but it's another deal. you got to get there at the before dawn, mm-hmm. wait in line. They're sold out by 10, 30, 11. Mm-hmm. But. The cool thing about that is the social aspect. Like, there you eat under a big, giant pavilion, kind of family-style picnic tables stacked end-to-end. But the barbecue is really good. I ate there before it was super popular and kind of known about where, even back then, there was a line. Also, the truth over in Brenham. I ate it when it was like a food truck on the side of the road. I was like, man, these guys got like 15 people standing online on a Wednesday at 3 o'clock. the heck's going on with this place? All right, cool, I'm going to whip in and try it. That's darn good barbecue, and they made the top ten this year on the Texas Monthly. There was one I stopped at going up towards Colorado Bend in just a small town, and it was absolutely great, but I do not remember the name. Hmm. There's a lot of good barbecue. That's the great thing about cell phones now. Sounds like, too, good barbecue, you're going to have to wait in line because every restaurant that has been mentioned as, like, Texas Monthly Top Barbecue or makes the list – you're going to have to wait in line for whether it's 15 people or whether it's a couple hours. Sounds like the best barbecue you're going to have to wait in line for. Top tier barbecue. Once it makes the list, you are going to wait in a line. Yeah. I'm still going to say that Rudy's is the best barbecue. Or not the best barbecue, but the best place on earth. Rudy's is awesome because you can get consistent barbecue anywhere that there's a Rudy's. It's the same in College Station, as it is in San Antonio, mm-hmm. as it is in Austin. That's true, but it's also a place where you can get tobacco, alcohol, barbecue, and diesel fuel all at the same time. You <laughs> add firearms, and it's a heaven. 
But I, I would say, and I have a lot of people, you know, I tell them I go to Franklin's, and then their immediate response is, I would never wait in line to go to Franklin's. My response is, you're not waiting in line the right way. Right. Number one. Correct. We you need to right. go with friends. You need to take a cooler beer. You need to take a card game, board game, whatever. And you guys need to hang out and have a good time. And then when they open, it's top-tier barbecue. Whether you think it's one, two, or three on your list, you're not the first person I've heard say Snow's is better. But if Snow's is better, Franklin's is number two on the best barbecue places you've ever been. You know, it's it's worth it. Um, the next question is uh, moist or lean? <laughs> Evan specifically said we're not getting lean. Or I think you requested yeah, you put, you, it's fatty. Gotta have, it's got to have fat. Yeah, yeah. fatty. Only. I like that fat's where the... That fat's where the that flavor, flavor is. Yep. Yeah. You got, you know. I agree, but I also do like a good burnt in. I don't like the yep. lean. Yeah, burnt Where does that come from? It comes from the fatty part. Is it? Bingo. Yes. Yep. Burnt ends are fatty brisket. Mm-hmm. Are pickle and onions a waste of a condiment? Yes. No, I love onions. Onions I'm good with. Pickles can go elsewhere. Now, it's personal choice. I mean, it's like, do you like pickles and onions, period? I personally don't. I don't put them on my burger. Maybe a pickle, not an onion. Oh, but, see, I well, but barbecue. I mean, you don't eat it. I mean, I put my barbecue on a sandwich, and I always eat it with a piece of bread. So, well, that's what I did. I was putting barbecue on a piece of bread and throwing yeah. an onion and throwing a pickle on there. It's a sandwich. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> it's personal choice. Uh, bread or tortillas? Bread, bread, bread. Yeah, I'd have to. Agree. Uh, I love tortillas, though. I mean, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. Everything's better with a tortilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last hot take, sides of barbecue restaurants like Franklin aren't that good. Oh, 100%. It depends on the place. I, I agree. I, but see, they're known for the meat. They're not known for their sides. Right. And and we were talking about the like the potato salad and the coleslaw and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, I like potato salad that's got mayonnaise and chives. I don't like the mustard kind, which is pretty much what everybody does. Most everybody does the Here. mustard kind. Well, especially in Texas. Like, yeah. it's mustard potato salad yeah, or Yeah, I like the, the mayo version. I'm not a big mustard fan. It's okay. Uh, but coleslaw, you know, if it doesn't have a sweetness to it, if it's too vinegary, it's not good in my opinion. But, yeah, what place is known for their sides? Well, I'll say there's a Ooh. place in San Antonio. KFC. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a place in San Antonio called uh, Smoke Shack. Barbecue. Uh-huh. Yeah. I would say it's B tier barbecue the meat. Mm-hmm. Like I'd go there, you don't really have to wait in line except like crazy lunch rush. If you get there early, mm-hmm. not a huge line. B tier barbecue brisket's good, pulled pork's good, but their sides are awesome. They do like fried okra, they do like mac and cheese, like really good quality sides. And it's almost like, oh, let's go to Smoke Shack because you can kind of get like their decent sides are, yeah, decent barbecue awesome and awesome sides. So I did ask, where's the mac and cheese? Because they had potato salad, potato salad, coleslaw, and, and beans, and beans. And I'm like, no mac and cheese. To yeah. me, mac and cheese goes with barbecue. So what I find here is that it doesn't everywhere. Sorry, right? No, but so like there are places like you said that are like B tier, C tier, you know, barbecue places, but they got good sides. So there's this little barbecue trailer i buy barbecue out of it and it moves around the place where i live out in grimes county mm-hmm. it, they do brisket mac and cheese but it's good it's real good but they do a brisket grilled cheese mm. Mm. that does sound pretty good cool. yeah. oh, already I, I'm like, i'd be well, down for that i could go for that <laughs> yeah. right now yeah, like, yeah. like like it's it's good brisket but it's not you know top. but top you're top. going there because of the Brisket grilled cheese, exactly. not necessarily because their the brisket is because their ribs or brisket or whatever. Like it's all good, but it's not top tier. You're like you're not like, 
I'm going to go find this thing to go get their barbecue, but like, I'm going to go there and go get that grilled cheese because that grilled cheese, it's got like five different kinds of cheese plus a shredded cheese, like a quarter pound of brisket thrown on I mean, it's two inches thick. You know who has good, bar- like, everyday barbecue? Because I went Rudy's. Rudy's. No, we, <laughs> no, we already went over that. We already covered yes, that. Yes, they do, but that, that's more because they got gas or gas beer and all that. But, no, H-E-B, their true Texas barbecue. Yes. It's actually really good. Yeah, for like did every you go with day. me when we when we went to my place? Did we stop at H E B and get a sandwich or no? No, you never invite me anywhere. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they do. They have a really good. We go and get a barbecue sandwich. Their at the beef H-E-B, rib is actually decent really good. too. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can say that I have an issue with H E B's barbecue is they tend to oversalt. Mm-hmm. Like their rub needs to go a little in the other direction. Welcome to the Honey Hole Barbecue Chat. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I went to the Flies and Flames the day before Franklin's, uh, which is a little fly fishing expo event. Um, I can't remember the name of the venue that it was at. It was in Austin. I'd actually been to a wedding there at that same venue previously. <laughs> I, should, I should know. My dad got married there. Oh, did <laughs> Yeah. What's the name of that place? Yeah. Anyway. No, I've been to a wedding there. And I was like, oh, I didn't – I've been here before. I was here for a wedding. And – uh it was a it was a fun event. We ran into a lot of people that we knew. Uh, saw uh, some prior guests that we've had on the show. Ran into nice. Nate, who recorded with us the week before. Ran into Star Graham. Hill Ranch. Star Thank Hill you. Ranch. Yep, ran into Graham. Uh, chatted with him a bit, and uh, Gabe Cross, who's a fly tire we had on a long time ago. So a lot of, ran into a lot of guests that we've had on the show, which was cool. Chatted with them, and then met some new people and potential guests. Uh, saw Julie from Devil's River. Nice, she was there. Concert. She had a booth set up, nice. so we chatted with them for a bit, and uh, we just had a good time and chatted with everybody. And uh, it was it was a cool event. It was a cool event. So next yeah. year, you guys, they had live music and barbecue, mm-hmm. and Treaty Oak was out there, mm-hmm. and uh, Duck Camp was there. I've been there before. I bet you went two it's, years ago, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I a, lot go, of good, a lot of good folks out there. I go again next year. It's kind of nice, like, expos end up being a whole weekend, like, especially, we weren't a vendor, but especially if you go as a vendor, you got to set up on Thursday, maybe on Friday, then it's Saturday, Sunday, and it ends up being a lot. It's kind of nice to have, like, a, this is like a Saturday afternoon event. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not this whole, like, they're doing everything in one day. You can check it out. It's not Trout Fest. <laughs> yeah. It's not Trout Fest. Yeah, it's not a whole weekend deal. Yeah. So that was fun. So uh, next year, you guys keep a lookout. and uh, Flies and flames. Flies and flames. It was good. I got our time in, uh, or I got our location. I'm reconfirming the time. Yeah, I got our time and location for the morning. Cool. All right. North of town or south of town? A little sealed. I don't know where that is. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you in a second once I get since this is great like podcast content. They really <laughs> want to know exactly where we're at. We're excited. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. I like killing giant birds. Mm. It makes me excited. So historic Speaking of birds, this is a good transition. Okay, let's talk about crane. Evan, cool. why don't we start with you? Okay, you have uh, fun facts. Some fun facts fast or fast facts. Uh, just. Facts. Fun fa- facts. Fun facts. Fun fast facts. Yeah. Fun. Of pterodactyls by so they're, Yeah, modern-day pterodactyls, prehistoric birds, some of the oldest birds. Um, okay, so a little bit about a sandhill crane, if you're not, not sure what they are. Uh, you ever seen a, a big gray bird down on a pond, and he's kind of walking through the water? That's not a sandhill crane. <laughs> 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 that is a blue heron, completely different, actually. I think they're 
cousins, like distant cousins or something. But anyway, uh, Sandhill Crane is a large gray bird. Can I make a Georgia joke about kissing cousins? <laughs> no, <laughs> only I can. <laughs> <laughs> only Cliff can do that. Uh, they're a large gray bird, uh, large body, long legs, uh, rust coloration on the feathers, um, dark gray on the wings, pale gray on the head and neck with a very bright red crown on the head, white cheeks, long black legs, and bill. Uh, their bill is actually super, super pointy. I believe when they get older, it dulls and shortens. I don't know if it shortens, but it dulls. Uh, or is it the other way around? When they're older, they're pointy. Anyway, whatever. It's a really sharp beak. They're about 34 to 48 inches tall. They have a 6 to 8 foot wingspan, depending on if it's like a lesser or greater. Uh, and they're, uh, the males are larger than females. Um, they weigh anywhere from 8 to 12 pounds. Are males and females identical looking? Yes. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And they're ornery. Yeah, they're quite ornery. Uh, they're also omnivores, so that's a little fun fact. They eat both on the land and in the water. Uh, they eat uh, small animals, seeds, grains, berries, roots of aquatic plants, frogs, lizards, snakes, uh, birds, insects, small mammals, snails. I don't know if y'all have seen the TikTok video, or I think it's TikTok video. And it's TikTok. TikTok. Sorry, my bad. And the the bird's walking along, and he stabs the ground, and then he like stabs the ground again, and he pulls out like this gopher that's like the size of his head, and he chucks it up in the air like an orca playing with its food, and he swallows it, gone. Uh, so they do, they are they are vicious, vicious uh, birds. There are fifteen crane species in the world, six of which are endangered. Two of the subspecies are non-migratory. Mississippi and Florida. So the birds in Mississippi and Florida do not migrate. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it, kind of an interesting deal. I didn't yeah. say, I, I wasn't, I'm not sure, and I looked it up. I don't know how many are actually in the United States of those 15 species, but. Uh, I know two. Two. Yeah, well, there's two for sure. Well, you got Mississippi and Florida. Well, no, I mean like crane species, because it's not saying sandhill crane species specifically. Oh, yeah, it's just saying cranes. Because yeah, whooping cranes. Whooping cranes. Mm-hmm. And Which are highly endangered. Endangered, yeah. Like, Dang they're extinct. also they're also <laughs> giant. Um, yeah, they're they, huge. They dwarf a sandhill crane, and sandhill crane is a big bird. Mm-hmm. So the sandhill crane may or may not be named from where it originates. Eighty percent of all sandhill cranes in North America use a seventy-five mile stretch of Nebraska's Platte River during their spring migration, and that part of Nebraska is called the Sand Hills. I hunt up there, and it is literally a grass covered desert you dig down and it's like digging at the beach i mean it's all sand so i don't know if that's really how their name uh they get their name because they're from the sand hills uh, i think it's where or, they were first discovered or they like fight kind of discovered there the- yeah but it's interesting that 80 percent go through that 75 mile stretch through nebraska hmm. which i'm quite certain you are not allowed to hunt yeah and then, <laughs> sorry east texas boys yeah and then i think texas like specifically the area where we're at the Panhandle, West Texas kind of mm-hmm. area. I think we winter like sixty percent of the cranes. Neat. Okay. Cool. In the I didn't, central I didn't flyway, see that. Or whatever. But this wasn't specific to Texas. Yeah, so, I'm just yeah. trying to think of crane facts that yeah. I know off the top of my head. I That's know it. some of them winter down on the Texas coast as well. There, and those are typically graders. I've hunted those birds down there many times. And mm-hmm. there's a species that actually goes all the way into like Cuba area too. Nice. See, there we are. We're all hey, we all got some facts. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so, fun fact, they dance around to attract a mate. 
The dance starts when a male crane has Don't gained the attention <laughs> of a female, and they both present an elegant low bow. How do you do? How do you do? A this, bow. A bow. That's uh-huh. cool. This bow is followed by a series of specific movements, calls, and leaps, creating a stunning sight for any onlooker. And I've seen Cliff do this for Cynthia, and it is amazing. <laughs> I was about to say, he's over there yeah. practicing right now in yeah. the corner. <laughs> uh, so Sandhill Cranes have um, at least 18 different vocalizations, and I have that here so we can hear what it's, is going to be reverberating in your brains for the next two weeks. Here we go. So that's, uh, they go into kind of all the sounds and stuff, and I'm not going to get into that, but pretty cool. Uh, very, very loud. And that uh, sound, deafening. that sound covers miles. Yeah. So you'll, you'll, you'll hear sandhill cranes. They'll be 6,000, 8,000 feet up in the sky, and you'll hear that sound. And you don't know where they are, and you look up, and there's tiny, you know, these tiny little dots. Mm. So it's, it's quite, uh, it's quite noisy. So last thing here is people love Sandhill Cranes. There are at least 10 annual Sandhill Crane festivals in and around the U.S. from Tennessee to Washington. Colorado alone has two. We're having our own this weekend. We are, uh, and that's actually why we're here mostly, just for the fun. But also the best fun fact is we like to eat them. They are called the ribeye in the sky. What did you say earlier, though, uh, they should be renamed to? Or that slogan should be grass-fed sirloin of the sky. Like they are, mm, like yeah. it's a, sky like, cow. Yeah, they're a sky cow. Like they, it take it's a bird that eats like a beef. Mm. When you when you when you put that when you get that that bread and it's a hunk of you know you breast them out it's a hunk of meat. It looks like a New York strip when it, you get it just without the marbling. It's really dark red. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't have the marbling, but it's really dark red. And if you serve that to somebody that you don't tell them, you know, somebody you trust, right? Okay, I'm not going to tell you what I'm cooking you. All right, here here's what we're making. You cook that up on the grill, and you cook it medium rare, and you they're going to eat that, and they're going to go, well, I don't know what ungulate this is, but this is some sort of a deer or a antelope guy or a neil guy or a, you know, some Axis sort of cow, deer. you know, whatever. They're going to think it's some grazing animal. You're going to tell them it's a bird, and they're going to go, BS, it's not a bird, right? And now, even eating it, which you guys will get to experience, okay, you're still not going to re- think it's a bird. It is, I mean, it's chunky like a piece of beef. It's flavorful like a piece of beef. It's sweet. It's not a bird. I mean, you've eaten quail, pheasant, duck. Mm-hmm. They, all have a, they all have a bird taste to them. Chicken is a bird, right? Yeah, it you has a bird, a bird texture. This, this is, is a, not bird a bird that eats like a beef. Mm. It, it, it is amazing. And the ribeye in the sky is really a really accurate description, and it's very tasty. How many uh, Sandhill Crane hunts have you done, Evan? I've only done one. And this is myself and Cliff's. Uh, and Ian, who will be joining us later, our first Sandhill Crane Hunt. And mm-hmm. Jeremy, what about you? Uh, a bunch. <laughs> a bunch. Uh, I've been up here hunting them once uh, with the same guide service we're going with. And then I've hunted them down on the coast, freelance and with guides. Um, it's a little different style hunting up here in the high plains versus down in the... So you said you've done this high plains one other time. Yes, one other time. Okay, and then most of your other experience is... Is all down on Texas coast. Okay. Okay, that sounds good. What are your guys's, uh, you two that have a little bit more experience, what are your expectations for this hunt? Or how did your last hunts go? Did y'all hunt together last time? Yes, I brought Evan up here, like kind of. We road tripped it. We did kind of the same thing we did today. Yeah, 
And how how did that hunt go for you guys? Uh, we shot a five man limit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We it, we only did one day. We did a duck hunt the next day, and the sandhill crane. It took a little bit longer to kill the cranes, I think, than than should have. Our uh, how they kind of set us up was a little bit mm, maybe not. I I don't know anything about sandhill cranes. I know about geese hunting. I've hunted over a hundred times uh, goose uh, hunts. You know. And there's, I think there's a lot of similarities in how you set up for a hunt. Completely different bird, all that. Okay, I'll give you that. But there's certain things that birds do, and that's fly into a decoy spread. And the way we set up was probably not how I there would have was, done it. There was and, one and, particular thing that I think we didn't notice in the dark that yeah. night. Because it was so... Last, what, what was it? I'm curious. Well, we'll kind of go into it. So the last time when we did it, we hunted over stuffers. Mm-hmm. And so we went out the night before, and we drove the stakes in to where... We took the stuffers out of the trailer and just put them on the piece of rebar. Mm-hmm. Well, we went out there, and it's probably 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. It was dark, like real dark. And we drove out to kind of where these four fields all came together. It was actually kind of weird the way these four fields mm-hmm. came together. It was a peanut field, a winter wheat field, a cotton field, and a big hay grazer field. Mm-hmm. It all kind of came together there. And we kind of came to where this T came together, and we positioned right for the wind. Right for the sun, mm-hmm. but the problem is to our left was a power line, mm-hmm. and so the birds were coming in doing it right. Oh man, they were just—I mean—cruising low, and then they would get to that power line and then go up and over, and we were probably oh dude twenty we were, thirty yards yeah from those power lines. If the power lines hadn't been there, we'd have killed everything that came in, or you know, shot at anything that came in. But what they would do is they'd come at the, and you'd think, are they going to go under the power line? They'd see that power line. They'd lift up. They'd come over the power line. And because they went up, they got high enough to look for another flock, look for some other decoys. Well, there was live birds probably, what, four, five, six hundred yards away. Mm-hmm. But they got high enough. They'd look over there, and they'd take off. And they'd do that. Or the other thing that would happen is they would pick something out that they didn't like. Mm-hmm. Like these birds have incredible eyesight. I call them turkey smart. You know, a turkey I don't think really is smart. I feel like a turkey just lives in constant fear of its life. And so it acts smart. And their vision is amazing. And these birds can pick out something that's wrong. And so these birds would get up high enough just to pick out, like, if one person in the blind just happened to move. Mm-hmm. Or one of the stuffers didn't move right. Or some little thing. That it they gave could, them a little extra moment to nitpick. To go, no, nope, mm-hmm. I don't they, like that. And they were out. Yep. So if they would have, if the power lines wouldn't have been there, they would have mm-hmm. continued low. Mm-hmm. And even if they pick something out, they're already flying. They're already low. Cl- they're yeah. already and, low enough that yeah. it's too little, too late. Then. Yeah. But we we yeah. scratched out a limit. Probably, I don't remember what time got done. But we probably, it probably took us an hour and a half longer than it should have. Right. We, really, we were out of there by eleven. Yeah. Like we packed up, cleaned up, done, heading back. Yeah. Like we 11. probably could have been done by nine. Right. Had everything been perfect, but I kind of enjoyed getting to hunt a little bit longer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't awful, but it was, you know, a little bit of kind of in hindsight. And even they were like, oh, yeah, like we didn't realize that power line was right there. We knew there was a power line in this field somewhere, but we had no idea. Didn't it was that close. Didn't We thought mm. it was a couple hundred yards. And y'all yards. couldn't see it, basically, yeah. There was no way to see it there. We did get to go out with them the night before and set up the A-frame and put out all the stuffers and get everything ready for the hunt uh, the night before which was nice because then you kind of got to pick their brain. Why are we doing it this way? Why are you setting them out like that? You know, how does the A-frame go together? How are we going to use the A-frame? Because I've never, I'm, you know, I've used layout blinds. is all I've ever used on a goose hunt. Or so whites. I'm, you lay oh, out in white. Or whites, yeah. And then, 
and so, you know, so it's like, well, how's this A-frame work? Well, it's, you know, it's similar to this or that or whatever. And so it was kind of cool to, to get to do that. Learned a lot on the very first hunt. Uh, and like you said, uh, it, it being extended hunt maybe allowed for that a little bit more. Yeah. Which was nice. Well, we still limited out. It was good. How yeah. how big are the flocks that fly in? So you can get a flock that's anywhere from an ideal flock on a hunt this this size is as many hunters you have as in the blind. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically they come in threes, fives, nines, twelves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but I don't think I saw any singles. I think maybe a, the, a couple singles smallest, and a couple pairs, but very maybe, rare. Yeah, maybe so. I and, think remember and, the smallest was like three. Yeah, it's generally a three pack or better. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And that's been all my experience crane hunting is like they're very rarely alone, or if it is a single bird, there's like. 15 or 20 over here, and he kind of got broke away. Like, he saw something, like, oh, I'm going to go over here and check this out. Oh, crud, my buddies are over here. I need to go get back over there with them. Mm. So, they act a lot like a goose, but not. Mm-hmm. Now, are we going to have opportunity to shoot geese as well? It's a possibility. Possibly. They yeah. um, they hang out together. They feed together. They they like the same stuff, the same area up here. Um, there's tons of geese up here. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what this area is known for is for cranes and geese. Yep. And I think it's one of those, you know, you get lucky. If if the geese are like, there's action going, we want part of it, they're going to come in. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a goose decoy and a goose call for that goose to come in. There just has to be active feeding that they think they want in on. Yeah. Mm. Because they're very, I mean – Geese opportunistic. Are, I was gonna say they're la- they're lazy fat boys. They like to eat. They get up late and they eat a lot. And so if there's feeding going on, they want to be a part of it. Um, I, I, it's it, luck of the draw, but it is it does happen. We had uh, last time we had some ducks. Uh, that we couldn't get them to come in. I don't. I can't remember. What they the were reason they, was. yeah. They were four to six hundred yards. Right. There was they were, a there was out. There, there was either a salt lake or a playa or something. something. They were headed to. Well, no, they were over there and they just kept like bouncing up and they'd come our way. But we didn't have any mojo. We had nothing to really draw their attention mm-hmm. except for those, you know, static gray stuffers out there. Mm-hmm. That was the other thing we didn't have a lot of on our hunt until we started picking up. End. It was dead calm last yeah. time. We're not going to have that problem tomorrow no, morning. No, tomorrow it's going to be a hurricane. Be hurricane Lubbock tomorrow morning. Yeah, it's going to be windy, which may or may not be a good thing. I don't uh, know. May keep the birds flying from, low. From, you know, I'm friends with one of the guys that guides up here. And, like, wind is typically a pretty good thing. You don't want 80-mile-an-hour winds. But, like, I feel like our wind's going to be strong but not too strong tomorrow. Like, and they tend to It picks to fl- up in the afternoon. Right. By the time we're wrapping up, it might be kind of froggy. But I think for the hunt, what's supposed to be, like, 18 like, to 20? Yeah, it's like 20 to 25, I think. It, or, it ramps up to 25 by 10 a.m., I think, something like that. Yeah, and hopefully we're done by then. Mm-hmm. Hopefully so. Yeah. Do they use dogs? They do use dogs. Um, it depends on the guide. Mm-hmm. You know, the guide, it's his dog. Um, the owner of that outfit does have a big, like, 150-pound yellow lab. That is that is a hoss. Like, goes out there and just slams cranes. Because, like I said, these birds are ornery. They got sharp beaks. They got, mm-hmm. you know, three-quarter of an inch long talons, and they use them. Uh, when we yeah, came, a lot of them have the goggles for yeah, their dogs. The Rex specs. They... Was he was he wearing those? No, I don't think he was. was uh, he? The Silver Lab was Coda. Okay, but not uh, not yeah, not the Yellow Lab. I've gone toe to toe with a few cranes. Um, I mean, like any any waterfowl hunt, which this 
kinda is a waterfowl hunt. It's not a waterfowl hunt. I said it's a mig- it's a migratory bird I said hunt. Kinda. But so But you if you got a dog, you use it. Yep. And well and if not, then woof woof. Well and <laughs> yeah. let's go get them. <laughs> well and and if we do have a chance at geese or ducks, those are waterfowl. So True. it's dry field hunting, which is something that's still totally foreign to me because I've always hunted the coast in either rice or mm-hmm. rice or rice. Mm-hmm. What's the goose limit? I know cranes is three. You guys know what the limit on geese is? Five on Canada's, two speckle bellies, 20 snows. Okay. 20 white geese. That can, that can include your Ross and, your Ross and your, your, uh, your blues. Yeah. Do you guys uh, want to hear about the dramatic story of my uh, crane call that I ordered? Yes, I do. What happened? So This I, is the one you just showed us? Yeah, the one I just showed you guys. Uh-huh. So I ordered a crane call from JB, who was a guest on our podcast. Joe Briscoe. While, Joe Briscoe, a uh, guest on our podcast a while back. He uh, got it up, got it in the mail to me so I could have it before the, the hunt because I wanted to bring it with me because maybe I could get some tips from the guides and stuff like that, learn how to learn how to use it, and get tips from professionals. So I was hoping to have it for the hunt. And uh, he shipped it to me. Cliff let me know that his duck call, some of his duck calls that he had, had come in. And he's like, check your mail. I think he mailed yours the same day. Yeah, from our group of that big box of calls that we sent, three or four people from our group all got calls from that shipment. Nice. You got some calls, didn't you, Mm -hmm. from that shipment? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I got some calls. Yeah, and they would have come in like around December third or. Yeah. I was out of town. I think when I actually got them, mm. but probably so. Mm-hmm. Well, Cliff let me know that his calls came in. Hey, check your mail. So I went to my mailbox, and lo and behold, our mailbox had been broken into. Mm. We have one of those community boxes. What they do is they stick a crowbar behind on the back and rip it open. The take, one big door lets yeah. them into every. Yeah, yeah, and ours are the oh, – this is not the first time our mailbox has been broken into, and it's also the reason I have a P.O. box set up because, you know, last time it was a real pain. I'd have to go to the post office, wait in line for 30 minutes, and they'd have to go get my – I'd have to tell them my address. they have to go get my mail for me. So I set up a P.O. box. All my important stuff, documents, get mailed to my P.O. box now. And so I just check my regular mail occasionally – well, I had sent Joe my uh, regular address because I didn't know if he was shipping at USPS or UPS or FedEx or whatever. And so, um, obviously, FedEx and UPS don't deliver to uh, P.O. boxes. So I had him send it to my house. And uh, when I went to check the mailbox, it had been the back had been ripped open. And it's the old style of those community boxes. Apparently, they have steel ones now. And we were hoping last time that they would upgrade us to the steel ones because apparently they can't break into those. But they didn't. They said uh, someone recommended that one of us, someone needs to take one for the team and run it over with the car because that's the only way that they're going to upgrade it. (laughs) (laughs) it With a car? Yeah. Just take completely remove it. doesn't count. Yeah. Just just completely (laughs) remove the community box. So Wahoo it like an ATM. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So hopefully this time we get an upgrade to because they really did work on it this time. I don't think they'll be able to fix it. I'm really hoping they upgrade our mailbox so this doesn't happen. It wasn't in my mail, so I thought, okay, not a problem. Hopefully, you know, it came on a day where they had noticed it had been broken into and they're holding it at the post office for me. So go to the post office, wait in line for about 45 minutes. No, went to the post office one day after work, waited in line for 30 minutes. 
And then they closed the window and said, hey, we've been open 15 minutes past what we should be. We're closing the window. And people got all up in arms about it. And I just walked out. <laughs> Went the next day in the morning when they opened, checked my mail. Crane call was not in my mail. And I was like, shoot. I just lost a really expensive, really nice crane call. Uh, I, I'm not going to have it for my trip. This is a bummer. So I was in contact with Joe. He was going to help me. We were going to file an insurance claim with USPS to get the money back, and we can get a new call ordered, but it wasn't going to come in time for the hunt. And I've done a USPS claim before, and it's a real pain in the rear, and they like to just deny it because they can even though you have insurance. And I think yesterday I got home from work, and there was a box on my porch and said, from Joe, JB Custom Calls. So maybe it just wasn't even there in the first place. Well, the thing is, uh, when I first was broken into, I had uh, messaged Joe to send me the tracking number. Mm -hmm. And so he sent me the tracking number. I looked it up, and it said delivered on December 3rd. Mm -hmm. So it was delivered and put in the box on December 3rd. And that was the same day that it was broken into. And I think I checked it on December 4th Mm -hmm. is when I noticed that the box had been broken into. So maybe they just... So I don't know what happened because I also went to the post office after that and they didn't have it held with my other mail. It was... Well, you also said that it was overly taped too. It was overly taped. Maybe they just shook it and it was like... Maybe they opened it up and was like, what the f*** is this? You guys are... And and Cliff, me and Cliff had this conversation. I think people were thinking too highly of thieves. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like... I got me a crank call. (laughs) Woo-hoo! Uh, I had Joe uh, send me a picture of it because I was like, oh, maybe someone's going to put this up on Facebook Marketplace and I can buy it back for $20. Uh And uh, I looked on Facebook Marketplace a couple times. I didn't see it Uh, because I figured they just think it was a duck call and put it on Facebook. They knew it was. They're driving to Lubbock. They're like, oh, (laughs) man, we got us a JB crane call. It's a Christmas miracle is what I told Joe. They're all gone right. Yeah. Nice. I don't know how, why, what, when, or where. Sometimes it pays to be rather lucky than good. Yeah. No, that was definitely awesome. luck because I thought it was a definite goner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to have it, though. Mine mm-hmm. came in perfectly. I had zero issue. Yeah, that's nice. I live in a small town. Like, if people tried to break into my mailboxes, they'd probably get shot. <laughs> yeah, man. Like Our community mailbox thing has been an issue, and it gets real old because going to collect your mail from the post office – Pain in the butt. Is a pain in the butt, especially in December when everyone has extra packages and you have to wait in line and it's just That's it's exactly just why the thieves broke into your mailboxes is because yeah, it's Christmas time. There'll be cash, checks, gift yeah, cards. That's money. what they were looking for. They're looking for Christmas cards. Yeah. They weren't looking for No, but they're I'm sure they're off. in a hurry and they're just dumping out every mailbox into a big bag and then <laughs> Whatever but they didn't want, they just shut it right back to the post <laughs> they office. They put it in their return to sender. <laughs> I don't like, oh, this is junk mail return to sender. Yeah. It does go to show that we need the government involved in everything, though, <laughs> so that we can have good institutions like this. Maximum efficiency. But I'm glad to have it, and uh, maybe I'll have one of the guides show me uh, after our hunt tomorrow. Show give me how to tips. give me some tips. Yeah. yeah. After you give him some tips. Yeah, I'll give him some cash mm-hmm. if we shoot some cranes. How much ca- – oh, hold on. Okay. So this has been a discussion. I told you guys something. Jeremy and I have been talking about it. Jeremy, what do you suggest as a guide and as a paying hunter, what is a fair 
tip amount, whether cash, uh, percentage, what do you think? Okay, well, as someone who's been a guide mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a hunter, mm-hmm. so what do you tip with it when you go to a restaurant? Uh, 15, 10 to 20%. 10 to 20%, depending on the service. So it's the same thing with your guide. You tip 10 to 20%, depending on how you feel like he did So if for the you. hunt is $100, then you give him a $20. 10 to $20 tip, depending. Mm-hmm. Feel like you did a good job? Give him a twenty dollar tip. If you feel like you did an okay job, ten dollar tip. And if you don't feel like he was worth it, well, then you don't tip. Right. But just know that like guides work really hard. Like, mm-hmm. like at nine thirty, and we got our location and stuff because they were out scouting tonight, like running their trucks. No, he said he few- texted the wrong person at first. Oh well, but it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> but they're going out. No, they're driving I, their vehicles. I agree. Yeah. yeah, but it, but like. I guarantee you this morning they went and drove and like, all right, we found three feeds. Mm-hmm. This is the best feed. And they went back again this evening and looked again and like, all right, yep, still the best feed. This is where we're going to go hunt. And they're either morning. setting up tonight or way early in the morning. Mm-hmm. But they're burning their gas, mm-hmm. wear and tear on the vehicles, oil changes, tires, all that stuff. You got to feed that big Plus ass dog. the dogs. <laughs> the dogs, the training, like the calls, the right. just time. So, you know. If you feel like the guy works for you, give him a good tip. Is this and, a one guide operation for our group? It, is it, it going to be one guy, or is it going to be who knows? We I may, don't know. It may be it may be a a guide and a helper. It may be two guides. It just kind of depends on how, on Friday. Mm, it's probably going to be either two guides it's or a guide and a guide helper, or a guide and a guide helper. Well, so. there's 39 guns out there tomorrow. Yeah, but we're but we have our own group, right? Though, is, so there's other however many groups. Well, that's what I'm saying is that this outfitter though has 39 other guns gotcha. out there. So I mean, you equate that to how many guides do they actually employ? Six to eight. They got to be somewhere too. Yep. And and you figure your average group size is going to be five to nine. Yeah, depending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're um, a group of we're five? a group of five. We're a group of five. Yeah. That's what I think. Six, we're eight, we're a pretty average hunting party size. Mm-hmm. You know you. you a group of five is five to six guys is pretty pretty, normal. pretty typical, you know, on a waterfowl hunt. Yeah, you know, I think. Man, I hope they take Venmo. Everyone's got Venmo for tips, but so and this is what I was telling yeah, Evan. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't have Venmo for tips, should you get a tip? Yes. <laughs> well, I always tip cash because you know under the table money, everybody loves it. That's the best. Yeah. Um, but this is what I was telling Evan is like, kind of the way to do this is everyone. Pick a buddy and be like, all right, cool. This is my tip buddy. Like tomorrow, Evan's going to be my tip buddy. I'm going to cover his tip. I'm going to hand the guy a $100 bill. That's 50 bucks. You know, that's somewhere almost 20% on what it costs. Mm-hmm. So, fair tip. You got to figure there's a potential. We're going to be hunting with the same guy again the next day. You don't want to stiff him on that first day because maybe it doesn't work for as hard for you the next day. <laughs> let's let's, let's tight wads. I'm not doing that. Well, no. Let's put it this way: like, there's been they can't shoot for shit anyway. <laughs> well, <laughs> so so back when I was a guide helper, back on the Katy Prairie, back when there was a Katy Prairie, uh, back where the good old days. Yeah, back when I used to hunt geese where Katy Mills Mall sits and where the igloo plant is now. I used to put out white rags, you know, Texas rags, back before the days of full bodies and. Silhouettes and everything. I mean, we we had all that stuff too, but like Texas rags were the thing. We carry these big, giant, probably like eighty-five gallon sacks full of these plastic rags. You just go put them out there on the rice stubble. 
and they're mm-hmm. just a 18 inch by 18 inch to 24 by 24 inch piece of white cotton and it just looks like a bunch of snow geese out there and you put out a million of them things and then go pick them up they're pretty light when they're dry they're heavy as hell when they're wet well if we hunted the same group three days in a row and the first day like oh we'll get you tomorrow and the second day you didn't they didn't get us well you were very likely to be hunting in a very wet spot the next day <laughs> you know somewhere uncomfortable it, it, we would not make that last day very comfortable for you so take care of your guides like they work very very hard it's it's hard work to be a guide everyone's like oh man i'd love to be a hunting guide it's like my dream job it it is but except for the fact when you're a guide you don't hunt yeah you work you work your you work off. your tail off and you babysit yeah, that's yeah. what a hunting guide is is you're an adult babysitter. No, they're going to give you the rules. You know, don't swing your gun, do this or that. Or Stay whatever. in your lane. But you got so many guys that they don't listen. Like, I know you guys are going to listen because, number one, y'all are hunting with us. But number two is y'all already have listened to some things we've told you about other things. They got they got these – they got guys. I mean – I mean, guys that come out on corporate hunt. They come out there, and they're, they're hungover or still drunk, or they're there to have a good time. So they're partying. They're, they're goofing off, even if they're not inebriated, okay? They're and not they're paying not, for the they're hunt. They're not listening. They're not paying for the hunt. They're not listening. And it is babysitting. It can be babysitting. So these guys put up with a lot of stress, a lot of work. And honestly, they do it because they love to hunt. They just don't get to hunt like we're going to get to hunt. Yeah. Because they're, you know, they're providing that for us. So it's, yeah, the guides are, they're hardworking dudes. And the dudes that are in it for a long time. They're killers. Yeah. Yeah. Will, will you guys talk about y'all bought some uh, very specific uh, loads that we're going to shoot for cranes? Will you guys talk about the loads and why you picked those specifically for cranes? All right. Well, so for this particular hunt, I've like I said, I've hunted cranes a lot. I've shot everything from steel, BBs, Ts, triple Bs, number twos, three and a half inch, you know, like recoil, just beat you to death stuff. I've shot the heavy metal. I've shot tungsten, you know, that's like four or five bucks a shell. I think they're, the last time I bought some Apex, I think it was 60 bucks for a box of 10. Some high dollar stuff. But down the coast, your limit is two birds. Up here, it's three birds. And, all right, cool, I can justify one box for hunting two days when you only need two shots to kill your two birds. But was it worth it, that price? No. So, what did we get, and how much was it? So, I've also shot the blended stuff, which is, you know, the heavy metal and the steel, Mm -hmm. which I think is probably your best budget crane load. Mm -hmm. But after talking to my buddies and doing the research, uh, three-inch boss number twos, which is copper-plated 10-alloy bismuth, it's almost as heavy as lead. So you don't have to shoot the double Bs. Um, it's all American made here in the U.S. They're super high-end waterfowl loads. Uh, it's pretty much all I've shot this year at Ducks. And now, after this hunt, will be cranes. Um, it hits like a freight train. When you hit a bird with it, you know you hit it. There's no like, oh, it's getting up. This is like shooting lead. It's very much like shooting frangible lead. Because mm-hmm. it's much harder than lead you know lead soft it deforms this stuff doesn't like it'll actually shatter before it'll 
It shoots like lead, hits like steel. No. Hits like lead mm-hmm. and shoots like steel. Like you Oh, can, backwards, yeah. You know, steel is way lighter than lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it loses velocity really, really fast. That's why you have to shoot those 1550, 1650, those hypersonics. You know, these boss are only 1350. Mm-hmm. But it carries that momentum and that kinetic energy way further out there. You know, Boss doesn't, you know, Brandon Sarecki, the, you know, the founder of Boss, you know, he hand-loaded these, and, like, he recommends two and three-quarter number fives for everything. Yeah, he's probably also a little better on shot placement than most normal most guys people, who are going to be buying that shot shell, too. But I've watched him fold up Big Honkers, which is a comparable-sized bird to a lesser Sandhill Crane, mm-hmm. at 60 yards with one of these things. Mm-hmm. They recommend shooting out of a full choke only. You can shoot it out of your granddaddy's A5 or model, you know, Winchester Model 11, you know, lead-only guns. You can shoot this stuff out of it. It's safe for your granddaddy's antique gun, your great-great-granddaddy's antique gun. It's bad stuff. It It's worth every penny. Um, it's a little bit more expensive than the— How much was it? How much is the price per box? Uh, it, when we bought was it— it like 30 when, bucks or 30 When we bought it, it was right at like 280 300 a case— um, it's gone up to like three twenty a case because yeah. of inflation. When I, bought, when I bought a case on that second sale that they did, mm-hmm. where you had they set up the time they had like the uh, yeah, well, that's what they're doing now. Is like they they drop every day at ten a.m. You know the previous day's production run. Mm. Okay, they're and not, you order uh, directly from manufacturer. That's the only way to buy it. That's you cannot get you, it. Yeah, this is direct. You have to go to a boss shot. But what I was saying is when they had that second sell of it uh, last year. Yeah, the second work. pre-run, the second yeah. pre-order. I paid three twenty-five for a case. Yeah, so uh, I knew that. And we were paying, like, I think we paid two eighty-five, dollars uh, possibly. Yeah, it was either two eighty, two eighty-five, dollars uh, And one of the sh- uh, shells, I believe, was more expensive. Either the three fives or the twos was the more. The three fives is more expensive than, like, the normal fives. I yeah. Know. Well, and then the three inches cost more than the two and three quarters. Yes. But there's more material going into that. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, and but like right now they're having all kinds of trouble with holes, primer, like everything. Like well, that, I know. The ammunition shortage is real, as everybody who hunts knows. I know that they, uh, here recently they brought back uh, the paper holes just because they don't have the plastic, I think. No, uh, they... They switched over to the old style blue holes. Uh, they're not doing paper. No, the other day I saw where they were doing paper. No, so Brandon does a small run of paper every uh, year for like the paper guns. Gotcha. Um, and that's a very limited production run. Uh, but yeah, but they just changed their holes from the red holes that we're using back to blue. Gotcha. Because uh, those are the holes that they could get. Evan, you wanted to talk about uh, lead shot. Yeah, so uh, something I learned uh, really recently here talking to uh, some buddies of ours, uh, Jeremy and I, uh, that sandhill cranes are migratory. They are like a dove. They're like a dove. Yeah, there you go. We didn't talk about that. Yeah, they're like a dove. So me being a big waterfowl hunter, you have to shoot non-toxic. Geese, ducks, you got to shoot non-toxic. Steel, bismuth, tungsten, whatever. Cranes, you can shoot lead. The ultimate crane load is a three and a half inch number four buckshot. Yeah. Yeah. Hammer them. Problem is, 
if, if you, have, you get lucky and you have geese come into the spread or, or ducks, ducks, you cannot shoot. You at can't them. even touch your gun. Mm. You better not pick your gun up. Just shoot the birds away because that is highly illegal. And so the question is, for me, is why am I allowed to shoot one bird in a field with lead shot shell and another bird that flies into the same spread, I am not allowed to shoot lead. Why can't I shoot lead at a goose? Why can't I shoot, or why do I have to shoot, you know, why can't I shoot uh, non-toxic or can shoot, you know what I'm saying? Why is there a difference? They're in the same field. We're not over a body of water, so I can understand the water argument. If, if yeah, it's well, over a body of water. I was going to say, was isn't the whole lead, the reason behind lead is a body of water issue. You're shooting toxic. So the reason. That may be the issue, but that's not how the law is written. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, but uh, yeah, I, I, I see that argument, but then it's easier to make a law that says, oh, you know. A blanket. A blanket law, mm-hmm. because as we know, you know, and we cover, you know, people getting hit by game wardens all the time. I think a blanket law and saying no lead is a much easier law to enforce mm-hmm. and a much easier law for the hunter to follow because you really kind of got to dumb it down a little bit and make the rules easier than saying no lead over a body of water. Right. I feel like it eliminates any gray area. Great, right? yeah. Okay, cool. You want to shoot a crane with lead, shoot a crane with lead. It doesn't have web feet. It's not waterfowl. So that's the reason why the law is written. Is like you cannot shoot toxic lead. Well, wait, I'm going to back up on something you said. It doesn't have web feet. It's not waterfowl. Is that like the right. rule? Right. You are only allowed to shoot non-toxic shot at waterfowl. Okay. Ducks, geese, coots, rails. So webbed, any webbed foot bird is waterfowl. Right. Like I'm pretty certain if you want to go snipe hunting, you could hunt snipe. In fact, I'm certain that falls like woodcock and other... I don't know. I've never hunted those. I don't know what... Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I've shot some snipe before while I was duck hunting. You know, cause oh, the you, never hunted, you never hunted snipe when you were in Boy Scouts? Well, I, I, <laughs> I got kicked out of Boy Scouts. Uh, I, uh, did you get kicked out for eating brownies too? No. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to have beer on a campsite. Um, I mean, at nine years old, you ought to be able to drink a beer if you want one. <laughs> We're having a campfire for crying out loud. Cliff, t- back me up on this one, right? I agree. Thank you. If there's a fire, there's got to be a cold beverage in your hand. I don't know. I don't know. On uh, uh, Yeah, I've been snipe hunting twice, but uh, I may have been inebriated both times. I don't, I don't know on the on the but, I mean, reality of it. I don't know what's what's loud on those because those are migratory, but they're not waterfowl. Right. And, the, so and that the, may be the case. And the law is written yeah. that it's got to be migratory waterfowl because, like, so it's just a it's a blanket law to cover, and I understand that. I'm not arguing that fact. I just, of course, then you'd have the argument of well, we should make everything non toxic because lead's going to kill the world. Okay, fine. Well, there's no condors here either, but <laughs> I'm not really worried about that. I like the way lead shoots. I like it's cheaper. I like the way it hits. Lead's awesome when well, it comes to shot shell. Yep. Well, I do I, understand the argument. The, it's just it's just I don't know. It just seems kind of well it, a it, blanket a blanket law does is not. It's lazy. Well, it may be lazy, but it's also sometimes the best thing. Like, with waterfowl, I feel like it is because, like, ducks were literally dying, supposedly. You know, this is the argument that was made whenever they passed the law, is that the, you know, ducks were using lead shot as grit in their crawls and getting lead poisoning and dying. All right, fine. 
I'm all for saving ducks. You know, I give tons of money to Ducks Unlimited every year. Um, so, all right, cool, whatever. But I feel like, you know, this boss and these other, you know, bismuth, you know, and especially boss with the, you know, copper-plated tin alloy bismuth, it's the perfect marriage of the two. It shoots like lead. It hits like lead. Ramsey Russell mm-hmm. goes to Mexico, by the way. Perfectly legal to shoot lead at ducks mm-hmm. in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Goes to Africa, Tanzir, like all over the world killing ducks. It's what he does. And he's like, nothing shoots like lead. He goes, but these things here, this is as close to lead as you're going to get without it being lead. Just real quick, I don't know if you heard that episode. I just want to throw a shout-out to Joe if he's listening right now. Joe, Ramsey, and I both 100% agree we need a Spoonie call. Please and thank you. Joe's not going to do it. <laughs> I've talked to him about it before. He hates He said, who would buy a Spoonie call? And I said, me. And he goes, yeah, but you have long hair and you live in Austin. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, fair point. But like, still. Like, Joe, like, Joe will go to his grave fighting against that Spoonie call. He Joe will care. go to his grave before he shoots a Spoonie. See, and oh man, I, now, I, now that I know Joe's listening, I just got, I got a problem with that. You know, if you're, if you're a waterfowler, if you're not shooting hoodies, woodies, and spoonies, <laughs> I mean, you know, are well, you really a his, duck hunter? In his eye, a spoonie call would just be another gimmick, th- gimmicky thing. He doesn't want to do gimmicks. Hmm. Why would it be gimmicky? Because nobody hunts spoonies. Mm. It, spoonies it, are kind of like it's kind of like a byproduct duck. Okay, yeah, they come into anything. They they're they, they're they're a dumb duck. They're like a redhead. They're they're, they're really, they are like the puddle duck redhead. And yeah. like, there's a reason why a why a spoonie has a million nicknames. Yeah, but I will say with a spoonie, it, they get a lot of crap on like their taste and stuff. Like everyone, always they taste says, fine. Yeah, like, I've never had one that was truly that's bad. That's a bunch of BS. Like they don't eat bad. They're just they're one of the prettiest ducks by far. They're beautiful. I the mean, they're they're kind of cool. goofy looking with that big shovel bill of theirs. But like, they got a green head like a mallard. They got a wing like a teal. They have beautiful. They have purple on their on their wings. Their little it's speculum. Just, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, white breast. Like yeah. it's it's a beautiful duck. Orange feet like a mm-hmm. like a mallard. But they kind of wobble their head back and forth, and it's, they then they fly kind of slow, and they'll decoy to anything. It's the mallard's uh, fancy, but maybe slow cousin. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's the reason why they get names like Hollywood, yeah. neighbor mallard. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, smiling mallard, Elvis, Hollywood. There's just a million names. There, there's no. Um, but listen, if if a group of spoonies fly in the spread tomorrow, I expect all of you to shoot all of them. Oh, yeah. I'm not above shooting. Okay, spoonies. good. Oh, I will shoot every <laughs> single one of them. Like a duck is a duck. Like like I used to tell these people back when I got it on the coast. This is a duck hunt. This is not a mallard hunt. This is a duck hunt. Yeah. So Ducks. ring necks. Oh yeah, blackjack baby. We shooting all of those spoonies. We shooting all mm-hmm. those teal, gabwall. Like, it doesn't matter. If it's a duck and it comes in, we're shooting it. Killing it. And as soon as we shoot six, we pick them up and we go. Mm-hmm. And I got at this one group of guys one time, and like, this group of green wing did it perfectly. Like, it's like a 20-pack. They came in right over the top of us. And, you know, mm-hmm. came up, did that kind of high arc mm-hmm. turn, and 15 yards in front of the blind, and not a one of the guys even made an effort to pull the gun. Yeah. I go, boys, <laughs> what are we doing here? What are we doing? When I say kill them, you grab your guns and you shoot them. Oh, no, we don't shoot teal. I was like, boys, 
This is a duck hunt. Those are ducks. We shoot them. Same deal happened. About an hour later, like a six-pack of Gadwall came in. They just wanted green heads. Oh, they're like, no, we're here, you know, we're here to shoot mallards. I'm like, boys, we are on the Katy Prairie. If yeah. we see a mallard, it we're will be. <laughs> you better shoot them gray ducks. That's the ones you're going to get. Yeah. So I have a question, Landon. Mm-hmm. Not having hunted cranes before, uh, and then obviously listened to our, all of our BS. What do you guys? And I've never hunted waterfowl either. Okay, all right, yeah. fair. This is a good and this is not as I learned today. They don't have web feet, so it's not technically waterfowl. But well, yeah, but it's kinda, it's whatever. I, you know, migratory bird hunt. Yeah. What do you guys? Do you have any uh, concerns? Uh, questions? What are expect- your expectations? Expectations? Like, like, yeah. I don't have any. My concern is the the temperature tomorrow. It's going to be 55. It's going to be hot. Yeah, I know. I don't like that. I wish it was going to be a little bit cooler. Doesn't wait, matter. Wait one more day. <laughs> these, so, so it's going to be 29. These birds, my thought, can I say my thought before yep. you answer? Yeah. My thought is cranes are here, whether it's 55 degrees or whether it's 30 degrees. I personally don't have a big concern with the temperature. I don't know if that's the right or wrong mentality, but cranes are here. You know, uh, the temperature doesn't bother me. I could see wind having a big factor, whether birds want to fly or how high they might be flying, depending on the wind, just in my mind. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Cliff. I just, in my mind, out of any duck waterfowl hunt that I've ever done, cooler days tend to be better days to me. And thus, yeah, 50s to a normal person is probably not like, that's still cold, but for a duck hunt and stuff like that, that's that's a tad warm unless you're talking like teal or something like that. But Shoot, to that's me, downright cold for a teal hunt. Yeah, but in my mind, coming up here and expecting 20, 30-degree days, and then today it magically changed to 50 degrees in the morning, that's my only concern. I don't say that that's going to deter me from the hunt it makes it any less special or anything like that that's just a concern uh in my mind but i don't know the first thing about cranes really i've never hunted my follow-up thought on that and i want you guys to correct me if my wrong if i'm wrong but ducks you know they're riding cold fronts as they move further south and where you may be hunting in texas may not be as far south as they're going to end up I know here cranes. This is this area is their southern habitat, so they're not going further south. So we don't have to worry about them riding a front as much. The cranes are here, and so I don't see a, the temperature being an effect in that. Is my mentality right, or is it wrong? Or y'all are may- both y'all y'all are both right, and y'all are both wrong. So yes, you are one hundred percent right. Like this is where the birds winter. Most of the cranes in Texas. Winter here in the Panhandle and far west Texas and, like, this kind of, like, red dirt area up here. More birds do push down to the coast, but for the most part, the birds all winter here. You're right to be concerned about the cold because when it gets cold, birds got to go hit a high-carbohydrate, you know, a dense-carbohydrate, you know, feed source. Something like corn, peanuts, mm. something with a lot of protein and a lot of carbs, you know, to stay warm. But... These are calendar birds. These birds have been here since September. And every cold front just brings more from further north. Every cold front, more birds, more birds, more birds, up until the point where they start migrating back the other way. 
So I don't think we have any reason to worry about birds. The birds are here um, from the guys that I know and some of the folks I follow on Instagram. They've been killing the heck out of cranes, like good crane hunts. Uh, my concern tomorrow would be primarily wind and what we're going to be hunting out of. Um, I don't know, besides me and Evan, if anybody has experience hunting out of layouts, that's a different experience. No, I've hunted layouts. It's it's kind of tricky. That first time you pull up out of a layout, it's a different experience, you know, from, you know, laying on the ground, you know, with a little 45-degree prop up and slinging the doors open, grabbing your gun and pulling up. It's different. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, when most time you shoot shotguns, you're standing there shooting skeet or shooting at doves. and Yeah, people don't practice laying and shooting their shotgun. Right. So, and they definitely don't practice laying in a thing with doors and mm-hmm. slinging it open and having a pterodactyl in your face. That's going to be the one thing that will surprise you the most is you're going to look at that bird and go, why aren't we shooting it yet? And it's going to go for a while, and you're like, we need to be shooting at this bird. And it's going to go for 30 more seconds. And you're like, all right, get them, boys. And because, I mean, these birds, like Evan said there in his facts, is they can have up to an eight-foot wingspan. They're big. And they look huge when they're still 200 yards away. Mm-hmm. So that'll be the biggest factor in this is, A, don't get an itchy trigger finger. Don't. Don't try and quick shoot the guide. Wait for the guide to call the shot. Because even me, like the first time I hunt them, every every time I go down the coast and hunt them, I'm like, all right, we'll pull up on them. I'm like, oh, man, them birds were 65 yards. But when you're used to hunting a little duck that has a, you know, 18 to 24-inch wingspan, mm-hmm. the thing looks huge. Yeah. Looks like it's right on top of you, and it's not. It's still no, way that, out there. That makes sense. Do we get confirmation, Cliff, on whether we're hunting layout or A-frames? No, I can text them. I'll do that right now. I'd be curious. I've never hunted out of a layout or an A-frame, so I'm just here for the learning experience. It'll be to shoot at some birds. I'm going to have a good time. It'll be fun. Like, yeah. like, like crane hunting is one of my favorite things to do because it's totally different. It is, it, it's not duck hunting. It's not goose hunting. It's And especially up here, this dry field hunting is so foreign to what I do, you know, down south. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that a bird would come into a dry field and eat something, like at some point here in Texas, it just changes over where the birds just don't do it. Like the cranes still do it. Um, you know, where I live out around Bryan College Station, mm-hmm. I get sandhill cranes in cattle pastures wandering around out there. You know, three, four, five, six hundred of them out there running around eating Whatever the heck they're out there eating, I'm guessing bugs and grain. But it just, for some reason, somewhere in the state, it just turns off. Because you can go drive around Dallas, out in the fields, out around Dallas, you'll see ducks, geese, all kinds of stuff out there feeding. But, like, once you get south of Waco, like, between Waco and Austin, somewhere, like, Evan, have you ever seen... Snow geese or speckle bellies, no. like out around Hutto. No, no, and I heard that the snows haven't been in like 
our area of Texas in almost well over a decade now. They're still there, but it's nothing like it used Not to be. Not like it used to be. No, they destroyed the Katy Prairie. It's all houses now. Like, that used to be the spot to go snow goose hunting. They're all up in Arkansas now. All the gr- all the rice Don't we used to... tell him that. All the... <laughs> all the rice we used to grow on the Katy Prairie, it's all grown in Arkansas now. The reason why Louisiana doesn't have the birds it used to have is because they don't grow rice anymore. They grow sugar cane. Hmm. Yeah, the snow goose hunting in the Garwood Prairie and yeah, Eagle Lake, Eagle, Garwood. I mean, just, man, it was phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, like I said, where Katie Mills Mall is and where Igloo is, like downtown Katy, Texas, like, there you have a giant snow goose there. Uh, but it used to be the snow goose hunting capital of the world. Mm. And now it's the suburban yoga pant mom, <laughs> yuppie. I mean, that still sounds fine. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a different that's a different kind of hunting, but that'll give you that uh, raider rash. Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> Cliff, you have any other, as someone who has uh, done some duck hunting but never crane hunted, do you have any other expectations? No, I mean, I'm looking forward to learning about cranes. I've never seen them, like, in real life. Um, I've heard a lot about them. They've kind of been on my bucket list for a few years now. And so when I put together the hunt, like, I was super excited about it. I mean, I still am. They've been on my bucket list a long time. I lived in Lubbock for a couple years and never hunted them. Well, this is awesome. And always heard about them, but never really had the money to afford to go out on a hunt or knew anybody that was doing it or well this is also my first time being up in this part of texas too the farthest north that i've ever been is to your place and the farthest west that i've ever been is was big big, big 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 ben so now i'm even farther west and north no just north yeah uh yeah way further north <laughs> way further north yeah um what do you think of lubbock it's flat as crap. <laughs> I think we did, just, did. Did you see that kid crying when he came into town? Uh, the guy at the gas station said he's been sitting there crying for three days because his dog, you know, been watching it just steadily run away. Just run away. <laughs> uh, no, one thing that did surprise me though, uh, when we were driving in, there was like a big dust storm kind of coming through, and I was like, dang, it's dusty. He's like, yeah, you're in uh, Lubbock, home of the Haboob. And I was like, the what? <laughs> And he pulled up a picture, and apparently they have, like, these big dust bowl-level dust storms that roll through here. Yeah, about twice a year. Hmm. And it's, like, dust bowl level. It's like Return of the Mummy, you know, like mm-hmm. sandstorm. Mm-hmm. It is literally a wall wall like that. Well, uh, and it'll happen just, about twice a year. Y'all are just securing my definition of this place. Shithole. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you want to be here? The hunting is good. I'll give you that. Yeah. And unless you want to be a Red Raider, I don't. I'm an Aggie. Well known, definitely don't want to be a Red Raider. But if you want to be up here, those are good reasons. Are you a two percenter? Do you know what a two percenter is? I do know what a two percenter is. It's pretty much anybody that graduated after two thousand and two or three. Yeah, which I'm going to get a lot of shit for that. But yeah, anyone the new army is not the same. Yeah, I I uh, my understanding of a two percenter is someone that is an Aggie but doesn't partake in all of the correct traditions correct. and everything, or like they that. don't know what they are. Or they, they don't, don't or they don't necessarily know what the tra- traditions are. Okay. Yeah. They don't really uh uh they don't really teach that as much as they used to. I work with a self-defined uh, two percenter. It's a cult. Like ask any real Aggie, they'll admit it. Like free and yeah. clear. Yeah. What's wrong with that? 
Everybody's a part of one. Colts are fun. <laughs> I well, there's well. one up in Waco at one point that I was interested in. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh, gosh. They were Baylor Bears. That's Banyo and the Brazos for us. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not a two-percenter. Uh, yeah. But I know what it is. Yeah, they don't teach as much, but I'm not going to say anything bad about Texas Tech because I didn't go here and if you want to go here, that's fine. But hunting and Texas Tech are really the only two reasons to be up here. I don't know. I don't know what the industry is up here. What else? I mean, other than farming. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Education, farm. Education, it'd be the school. No, yeah. like you're a farmer. Farmer. Yeah. Farmer. Or you work at the one of the 50 uh, feed plants I saw mm-hmm. coming in. Oh, yeah, that's right. We need to look and see if we can buy some cotton seed on the way home. Well, and it's just Lubbock is a – they call it the hub city now because mm-hmm. there's over a million people – in Lubbock on the weekends, so many people coming out from the rural communities outside, like New Deal, which we're pretty much staying in, coming mm-hmm. into Lubbock, everyone coming in to get their supplies and mm-hmm. everything like that. Um, I have a yeah, question. There's nothing of any size until well, you, what, you get to it, Wichita you, Falls. Amarillo. And Amarillo. Amarillo. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, like, going south, it's Wichita Falls. No, uh, no. south would be that? like Sweetwater Ab- yeah. Sweetwater Ab- Abilene. Okay, Abilene, but like Southwest, you got which? I mean, there's like there's nothing out here. Yeah. It's the one fun fact I learned about this place is that there's only one HEB in this city. Yeah. And when I went for the first time today, I ran into Carson, Carson. your brother. Yeah, my brother works. <laughs> some, some person comes up and patting me on the back, and I'm thinking it's Jeremy messing with me, and I'm like not really paying attention. I'm on my phone, and I look over. I'm like, whoa, well, you're not Jeremy. Hey, Carson, what's up, buddy? <laughs> I was like, are you working right now? He's like, yeah. yeah. Well, then I'm standing there talking to him. He's kind of looking around. I was like, dude, you're helping a customer. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'll vouch for you. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't know that was the only H-E-B. Yeah, they just opened probably a year to two. Yeah, it was pretty fancy. It was pretty really? bougie H-E-B. They had a barbecue but restaurant in it. Y'all have a, y'all have a uh, Walmart neighborhood market is that what it's called yeah the neighborhood market the, the walmart grocery store walmart grocery store well the big uh grocery store chain i'm sure our listeners would love to learn about sure. yeah, the grocery stores yeah give us some fun facts about lubbock uh <laughs> united supermarkets oh is, boy and uh united is nice they actually uh they they bag all your groceries and they will load, oh, i hope so <laughs> they they no they load all the groceries and someone will push your groceries out oh, to your nice. car and load it they don't accept tips you know, it's part of the service. And, you know, United Supermarkets, they have some, like, really high-end, kind of, like, the higher-end HEBs that you see, too. It's a really good grocery store chain. And There's, uh, like, a Central Market or a Whole Paycheck. I mean, Whole Foods. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, I would say it's similar to HEB. And then they, you know, sponsor a lot of tech stuff, obviously. I think uh, when HEB was coming into town, they were sending out mailers. What in Dude, the Dude, what are you doing? World? I keep on getting a whiff of feet, and I can't tell if it's it, Jeremy's or me. It might be It might be my feet because I've been walking around barefoot in these socks oh for gosh. like four hours. Dude just starts – he pulls his foot, his sock cover doing- foot up, and he's sniffing it. And then he takes his boot, and he shoves his nose all the way up in his boot. Like I was just trying to tell trying to figure it out. Oh, boy. It's going to be fun. I'm not going to sniff boys. Jeremy's feet. Well, I'm quite certain. Mine stink. I know they do because <laughs> – They've been in boots all day, and then after that, I've been walking around. <laughs> all right, so we got to get up at what time, Cliff? We have to be leaving this house at 4 a.m. Woo! I'm pretty standard waterfowl uh, time. Yeah, it's uh, 10.15, and Ian will be here in an hour and 15 minutes. 
Poor Ian's just going to be tired. Uh, he, load him up with coffee. This was his call. We, we told him to take Thursday we gave off. Him, we gave him plenty of opportunity. I, to I got some heart attack in a can in there. He can have. I should have brought my four loco. That'll get him going. <laughs> hey man, that's a very generous birthday present. You know, since someone brought, brought me and some. And got an earthquake, too. I don't know what that was, but, man, like, that's some high-dollar alcohol <laughs> there for you. Since you got me a bottle of rich and rare peach for my birthday. Listen, I tried to take care of you. Yeah, well, you I mean. Know? <laughs> I, I, I know I love, how much you love peach. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. It is, it's aging in my closet. <laughs> Ugh. Is he all ready to kill some birds? Let's kill some birds. Bye!